Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 183. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John. I'm doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at NerdJourney. DMs wide open. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. This week, we're actually starting a new interview series. I know that's shocking to some people. Can't have just one. It's like a Pringle. Yeah, that's right. When's the last time we interviewed somebody and it was just one episode? If you can name the one guest that we had for one episode, we will send you stickers. There you go. I think this week we're starting out with uh, Michael Levan. That's right. Michael Levan. Nice. I... uh I'm looking forward to people hearing this because it's a really interesting combination of somebody who's both a technology professional and a fitness professional. And it's a really interesting juxtaposition. We've had people who have been fitness professionals like on the podcast before, but not both a fitness and technology professional. I don't remember exactly who those people are. It was Randall Cook and Blake Johnson. I don't know the episode numbers off the top of my head, but Randall was an architect turned fitness coach, and Blake was personal trainer, fitness coach who went into sales and still does a little bit of both. Nice. It's amazing to me that you have that on the t- off the top of your head. It would be better if I remembered the episode numbers, but I'm just not that cool in this case. <laughs> you usually are that cool, but <laughs> I... Uh, you know, in that the course of the conversation with Michael, um, he mentioned this phrase, which I've heard before, uh, eating clean. And I think we've even had people use it on the podcast before, but he had a really interesting take on it. Um, and a really interesting take on intermittent fasting too. Interesting to hear from him about that and hear from somebody who's actually a practitioner and seemed to have like pretty realistic takes on on how those things worked and and how to go about doing them. Also, I would say the, the the last thing I'd look out for is, shockingly enough, somebody again mentioning deep work. Love it. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, we have these repeating patterns, Nick. Repeating patterns. Yeah. But before, uh, you know, I just signpost the entire discussion, why don't we just get straight into... Um, episode 183, part one, with Michael Levan. Michael Levan, welcome to the Nerd Journey Podcast. Thank you guys for having me, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Can you give us um, kind of an overview of what it is that you do today? 
Yeah, so what do I do? I think it's a difficult question at this point. Uh, so I know that I focus in the, the cloud native, the DevOpsy, primarily Kubernetes and containerization space. 90% of what I do right now is talking about orchestration, Kubernetes, uh, talking about containerization, Docker, Podman, ContainerD, CRIO, all that good stuff. Uh, and yeah, really just, you know, focusing on a lot of content, a lot of technical education from a real world standpoint, and also still consulting with customers. I also uh, noticed that you have like a, a fitness aspect to your like public persona. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Before I actually got into tech, and, and this is a cool conversation because nobody ever brings this up. Uh, before I got into tech many moons ago, I went to school for personal training and I was a personal trainer. Uh, prior to that, I always loved fitness my entire life. Uh, I looked nowhere near what I used to look like, but I used to do a lot of like powerlifting competitions. Uh, you know, I was shredded, always tan. I was that guy played, you know, sports and stuff in high school. And when I, you know, got out of school, I was like, oh, I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. Uh, and then I quickly realized that I did not want to be because I wanted to do more personal training for people that wanted to do bodybuilding style training, uh, versus helping people like get out of bed in the morning and move around, which is primarily what personal training was. Uh, so, you know, I, at some point I switched to tech. Just so you're saying Schwarzenegger never called. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I would probably be a millionaire at this point if he did, but. <laughs> I'm curious about the integration of fitness into sort of a daily routine of what you do now. I mean, are you leveraging that in some way to boost energy, reduce stress, maybe provide some tips for listeners on how the average bear could do that? Yeah, so I work out five days a week still. Uh, right now, I do a combination of push-pull. So, you know, Mondays, Tuesdays, I'll do push-pull. Wednesdays, just cardio. Thursday, Friday's push-pull. Uh, sometimes I do more bodybuilding-style training. Sometimes I do more powerlifting stuff. Kind of depends. Uh, right now, I'm kind of sticking to this push-pull regimen. The way that it helps me is number one, stress. Number two, I kind of feel like I'm like in the zone when I get in front of my desk after working out, depending on the time that I work out. And number three, I arguably think that working out like bodybuilding style training or powerlifting, something where you're physically pushing yourself also pushes yourself mentally. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that like it's not just about strength, like you're you're pushing yourself mentally more so than in a lot of other things that you're doing in your life. So it kind of takes your mind to the next level as well. And I also think, you know, it, this also encompasses like what you eat, for example, like what you put into your body is ultimately going to be what you're going to feel later on. Uh, and I'm a firm believer of this. And I know a lot of people kind of don't see it this way. But uh, what I always challenge those people on is, okay, eat clean for two to three weeks. And then go back and eat whatever food that you want to eat and you will feel a noticeable difference. The people that typically don't feel the difference is ones that don't ever go like a week or two or three by eating clean. Uh, so I think that there's a combination of how you feel from a physical and mental standpoint and then also what you put into your body. Now, I'm not a health freak by any means. I literally had two packages of Twinkies at my lunch today. Uh, so I probably shouldn't even be talking about health and fitness at all uh, at this point. But I will anyways. <laughs> so. Part of that cheat day exactly, or, or cheat meal. Now, when you say eating clean, can you just tell people what you mean by that just for reference? Yeah. So what I do is I do meal prep. 
So every day for lunch, I eat the same thing. Uh, I get my meals delivered to me. My meal is a whole wheat wrap with barbecue chicken and cheddar cheese inside. To have that little combination of a little something else, a little crunchy, I'll have like whole wheat Cheez-Its uh, instead of chips. So instead of, you know, chips, I'll, I'll uh, incorporate whole wheat Cheez-Its. And then for dinner, kind of depends on what I'm doing, but like it's never typically fast food or anything. Like maybe one day it's a steak, maybe one day I'm grilling. So a couple burgers, uh, which aren't bad if you're putting them on your grill, right? Maybe, you know, if I'm doing nothing at night, it'll be like a turkey sandwich. Like I'll do turkey on whole wheat with cheese. And then again, maybe some cheese. It's right to incorporate that crunch into it. So yeah, I mean, what I mean by eat clean is way back when I went like six, eight months without touching candy. Like I didn't have a candy bar, chocolate, nothing. Like I was just like steak, brown rice, chicken every day. That was it. And eggs. Um, I'm not saying you got to go to that extent. You can, if you want to, I, I recommend everybody to push their cognitive limits to be able to do that, especially in America. Uh, Cause it's very difficult where we live to do that. Really think about what you're putting into your body. Like not a lot of heavy uh, carbs, not a lot of fast food. Try to stay low on the sodium or else you feel bloated, tired, uh, a little bit fatigued and a lot of high quality protein. So, you know, grilled chicken, steak, turkey breast, you know, sliced turkey from the deli. You don't want to get the packaged stuff because there's a lot of preservatives in it and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when I say eat clean, it's not like go crazy and don't touch a candy bar. It's more like just be conscious about what you're putting into your body. Uh, and it will make a big difference from a mental standpoint. That's so fascinating. I it, It's been a, um, a while now, but I used to be a pretty serious uh, uh, road cyclist. Mm. Serious for me, anyway. And one of the interesting things about it was, you know, the, the joke was like, you know, when you're riding, you know, over like 100 miles a week, like you can pretty much eat anything that you want because the calories are going to come off. However, you start to be super tuned into the feedback cycle of, you know, if I have like this kind of junky dinner, then when I wake up the next morning and go, you know, ride 30 miles, like I'm going to have a terrible, terrible ride. So you start to get into this feedback cycle of, well, you know, I could eat anything, you know, when I'm, you know, burning off calories, but it's not just a pure calorie thing. It, it starts to be, this like, okay, I also need to feel good while I'm doing it. And when I eat better, you know, I feel better working out. And then it bleeds over into just your day to day life, right? You have, you're coming off a, you know, endorphin high of like, you know, the workout, and then, you know, you're eating better. And it just, there's this like super positive feedback loop. Yeah, so I think a big piece there, exactly like you said, is from a um, a headspace perspective. Like I know for me, if I eat bad, the next day I don't feel good. I'm not at 100% peak performance. I, something's wrong. Uh, same thing with drinking. Like I do not drink. I don't touch a one beer during the week at all ever because I know that I'm gonna feel like garbage the next day. It's tough, right? Like there's a certain way to live if you want to get that peak performance and if you want to be able to do things a certain way. Uh, but it is very rewarding. But like exactly like you just said, like whatever you put into your body, you will feel off the next day or whatever the case may be. And if you don't feel off, it's probably because you keep putting that stuff into your body so you don't realize it, but you're just always off. And if you stop putting that stuff into your body, you would see a big difference. Yeah, that's so fascinating. It it becomes a new normal, like, right? And you don't realize 
necessarily how bad you feel unless you have like a good peak to compare it to and then once you raise the bar like it's it's like being at the top of a hill it's super easy to like tip in like a bad direction like you're once you you're feeling at your you know tip top then any like deviation uh starts to like you get very very sensitive to it like oh, i'm used to feeling at this like cognitive level or at this like physical level at this emotional level so when i'm off i'm very very clearly off i'm used to being able to go to sleep super easy so when i'm tossing and turning for 40, 45 minutes that feels a lot worse than when i was kind of like feeling meh and then i would just hop on my phone and you know browse for something you know 45 minutes and and uh and drift off to sleep hashtag doom scroll (laughs) (laughs) and and that meh feeling i think the the uncomfortable reality is is that that's 90 percent of the population they have that meh feeling of they're just sitting on the couch scrolling they feel bad but they don't know why because it's their norm and once you introduce something different into your daily life, you can clearly see when you're off. Like I can clearly see when like I'm sitting on my phone too much. I can clearly see when I've watched too much TV that night and I know I need to turn it off and go read a book. Do I always do it? No, because I'm human and sometimes I'm lazy and sometimes I just want to sit there. But I, But the difference is that I know it. Like, I know it's off. I know it's not the right thing that I should be doing. But again, we're all human, right? You know, we're super big here on progression. I think what somebody said to us once is like, when you make big changes, it's easy to have big reversions, mm-hmm. right? So what is the the kind of progressive iterative change? Like, if I'm if I'm doing a refactor on my lifestyle... Like I'm not just like you know throwing out all the old old code. I'm I'm trying to replace it like you know module by module. What does that look like? I would say the first thing everybody should well two things, and this is just my opinion, but the first thing is everybody needs to realize that the normal way of doing things is not the right way of doing things. And number two, everybody starts to need to incorporate some type of deep work. The and what I meant by the first thing that I said was. What is normal today of looking at your phone for six hours a day, scrolling social media, getting sucked in, that's not normal. And, you know, I used to think like, because I never liked that, right? Like I always liked being focused, but nobody else did. And I always thought I was the crazy one. And then as I started to progress through my career, I realized, no, everybody else is the crazy one, not me. Um, So I think that everybody needs to like understand that reality is not the way that it should be for for many, in many cases and then i think the second thing is to practice deep work to start to understand what deep work is and understand what true focus is now we did do a series on deep work michael uh, it was actually a seven part of a plan two so we got we got heavily into it nice how can people dip a toe into this deep work lifestyle Yeah, so I always recommend everybody to read Cal Newport's Deep Work book. Uh, I recommend James Clear, Atomic Habits. And there's a new one that I'm actually reading for, I think I'm reading it a second time or a third time right now, I forget. Uh, Johan Hari, I'm probably butchering his name, but he has a new book called Stolen Focus. Oh, that's on my Audible wish list. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I'm reading it a second or a third time right now, and it's very good. But... 
here's the thing. Read those books, but understand that you will not be at those guys' level yet. Like Cal Newport, for example, I I like him as an author, but he makes certain assumptions that I don't like. Like, for example, he'll talk about work that's shallow work versus deep work. And really the way that he that he talks about it is like, unless you're doing some type of research related role because he's a PhD and he's a researcher, then you're doing shallow work. Like he just, he makes certain assumptions. So take take his assumptions with a grain of salt. However, what he's saying in his book and, and the methods on what to do, like not going on social media, getting rid of your phone being in your thoughts, you know, all of that stuff uh, are super important. The other book that I, I just remembered that I forgot to mention is The Practicing Mind by Thomas M. Sterner. That book is about staying in the present, right? Like, for example, when's the last time that you drove in the car without your music on or without the radio on and just sat there to and, and stayed in the present? Um, so he talks a lot about stuff like that. Those four books I highly recommend, but keep in mind that when you're going through those books, it takes a long time to get to their level, years. So if you read if you read the book and you're like, oh, this isn't working for me yet because you read it in two weeks, you gotta you have to practice for years and years um, to really get to that point. I'm still practicing every day, right? And I will be probably for the rest of my life. Or you read it and you think, yeah, that's not realistic to get to that level. Right. Because of my job requires X or Y. Well, it's it's one of the reasons why I uh, don't work for anybody. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, but yeah, so that's a really super crucial to think about what you just said. Because I feel like in these books, none of these books bring up certain realities. I'll give you an example. Very common, right? I'm a single guy. I go on dates. I can't close off life, right? Like if I was married... And if I like, I mean, I have a son, but if I had, you know, that if I was married and if I had that family, right. And all that stuff. And I had my set of friends, that would be different. I could go out and I could get a flip phone and, you know, I could kind of cut off all distractions, right. And like focus on my family, focus on my work, et cetera. Right. Which is what, if you read these books, a lot of them are, are talking about, right. Like they're talking about, they pretty much focus on their career, certain friends, and their family. But for me, it's like, you know, and this is a common thing. Like I'm still in the dating game. So it's a little bit different for me because there'll, there'll be some times where it's like, I don't talk to anybody, right? Like I'm just so focused. Right. And then I get to the point where I'm like, Oh, I'm like, you know, maybe I should try to get out there a little bit and do this and that. Right. So it's, it, it depends on where you're at in life as well. And again, a lot of like the books won't talk about like stuff like that, but that's a very real reality of like where you are in life and, and where you work too. You bring up a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, what you mentioned is is really interesting like you have to take in information but be cognizant of the context of the people who are writing that information and you're you're absolutely correct like cal newport you know his entire context is like being like a high performing academic right so he can give like direct advice on how to like position yourself for like tenure track academic positions but if you're not doing that then he has to kind of generalize what he knows and it might not necessarily be exactly applicable to like your type of role it's, it's really fascinating but like the general point of like high focus and you know hey if you're doing if you want to get paid well you probably want to be doing something that's hard to do 
and hard to do things generally take a lot of concentration. So the most important thing that you can do for your your career is to develop the ability to do, you know, to have that high level of concentration and to be able to focus and overcome distractions. And, and what's funny about that is that as I say that out loud, that kind of reminds me of exactly what you said about the ability to work out, right? To, to kind of put in that work, there's like a, a focus there in the ability to like, you know, cause when you're doing any kind of like physical activity, your ability to say, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to stop doing this is like, it's super easy to actually just stop doing it. And it's the same thing for like, you know, knowledge work. It's like, ah, you know, this is just really hard to like concentrate. It's like, okay, but where do you develop that mental fortitude to, to kind of, you know, push through that, that barrier? Yeah. And it takes years of practice. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm not there yet. Like there are some days that unconsciously I'm so focused and like my mind is so strained that I'll just, without even thinking, log on to Twitter and I, I have to stop myself and close out. And I'm like, what, what am I doing? I just, cause, cause that, that's kind of a, uh, it's a defense mechanism like in our heads to be able to do that. Uh, I'm very into like cognitive science and psychology and the way that the mind works. And it's actually a defense mechanism. Like our bodies, our brains are set to save as much energy as possible. And when you're in deep work and when you're at a hundred percent peak performance, you're, you're over utilizing, like you're using a lot of energy, right? So our bodies naturally are kind of like, stop doing that. Um, so it's a fight there too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, exactly like you just said, like the, the, the working out, the eating certain things, the staying focused, the deep work, that's the key to success. Like I, I have so many people that are always asking me, how do you focus on so many different things? How do you do so many different things without burning out? How do you do this? How do you do that? That's it. I, I just gave you the formula. <laughs> that's, that's all I do. Like in, in the past 20 minutes, it's literally all I do. Like I focus on fitness. I focus on my health. I focus on the way that I feel and I focus on deep work. And th that combination allows me to do what I do. Yeah. It sounded like you had a really good fitness routine down and a really good meal plan routine for people who might want to get into the deep work from like a scheduling the work or boundary setting when you when you talked about starting to practice where would you direct someone to start to practice sure so the first thing is take it in increments uh, and this is something that you're going to learn in atomic habits by james clear this is a, a very common mistake is <laughs> it's going to sound uh counterproductive but hear me out the biggest mistake that people make is going 100 percent all in in the beginning now, let me, let me explain what I mean by that before everybody takes out the pitchforks. When, let's say people sign up for the gym, all right? What, what do they do? I'm going to go to the gym six days a week, two hours a day. It lasts three weeks. They never go back. The reason why is because they didn't give themselves enough time to build up a habit. You can build a habit for anything. A habit should be as easy as when you go into a dark room and you turn on a light, you don't use any cognitive load. You're not like, oh, I got to go turn on the light. Okay, here we go. Like you just know it's just a habit. You turn on the light and then you walk in, you walk out, et cetera. You turn off the light. It's just a habit. You can build anything in life that same way with like those same habits. So going to the gym, you can't just go six days a week, two hours a day. You're, you're going to fail. But what you should do is you should go two days a week for 15 minutes. Do that for a few weeks. 
and then go three days a week for 15 minutes. Do that for a week. And then go three days a week for 25 minutes. Do that for a week. Build a habit. Same thing with deep work. Don't go into every day saying, I'm going to do three hours of deep work per day, every day. No, it's going to be impossible. There's going to be too much cognitive load. You're going to burn yourself out. Instead, go in for 15 minutes for a few weeks and then 20 minutes for a few weeks and then 30 minutes for a few weeks and keep building up in five to 10 minute intervals. And in four or five, maybe six months, you're just going to do three hours of deep work per day. And like, it's it's just going to be natural. Like you're not even going to realize that it's happening. You're just doing it. Um, so that's the way to build up any habit in life, including bad habits. So <laughs> be careful with, with, with this, these analogies, but anything that you do in life, any habit that you want to build, you must start in small increments because then again, going back to the way that our minds work, our minds are designed, our brains are designed to save energy. So if you're pushing six days a week in the gym, three hours, uh, two hours a day, and you never worked out before a day in your life, or you haven't worked out for five years, you will fail inevitably. It's so fascinating that the things that are easy to do, the things that take off cognitive load, that take off like physical load from our body, it's like, that's a little bit easier to do because it's just easy to do. Like, you know, I'm sitting in a chair, like how much effort is it going to take for me to keep on sitting in a chair? I'm staring at my phone, you know, mindlessly. How much effort is it going to take for me to keep on staring at my phone mindlessly? Right. That's, that's pretty easy to like build up that habit of doing nothing and being mindless. And it's yep. just the, it's the opposite. It's like, okay, well, I need to be a little bit more physically active. Like, can I do 10 minutes of yoga? Can I do, you know, go for like a 15 minute walk? Can I concentrate for 10 minutes straight on solving a really hard problem? Like those things, like it's, it's hard to, you know, cause your inertia is in the other direction. Right. So it's just fascinating that you've put together this like atomic habits you know plus fitness atomic habits plus deep work that's that's awesome i i'm we're gonna have to go back and maybe read some of those books and and, and connect the dots there do we call that deep life or <laughs> maybe yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll write a new book around that yeah I, and i mean uh, i think the one thing that's super important to point out here is Again, going back to what I was saying before that like the reality that we live in is not good. Think about how nuts this is. We have to force ourselves and train ourselves to focus for 10 minutes and let that sink in. How wild is that? 10 years ago, this wasn't the case. 20 years ago, this wasn't the case. And the reason why it is the way that it is now is because of instant gratification. Because we have now been trained, if we want entertainment, pick up this device. If we want something, we can get it in two days on Amazon Prime. If we want food, it can be delivered on Uber Eats. We're, we're in this constant state of like instant gratification and it's messing us up. Like there's, I mean, there's so many studies out there. If you go look at all the research done by Harvard and Stanford and, and, and all these other schools, there, there are a lot of uh, PhDs out there that are doing research around like how we're just completely like degrading our minds essentially. Yeah, the the search phrase that I always use is like social media is hacking your brain. You'll get like a lot of like instant results about how basically companies are designing their products to like kind of hit that instant gratification feedback loop and then you're kind of captured, right, into this like uh 
oh, like I got that dopamine hit and I'm going to go back for another and another and another. It's very much a uh, an addiction cycle. Yeah, yeah it's go exactly watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll hear exactly what just what John said. They basically said, "Listen, you're not smarter than the AI. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not. Yeah. I mean, yes, humans programmed it, but you're not you're not equipped to beat that." Yeah, I, and, and the other, I think the other thing that everybody has to understand is, you know, anytime that you Google something, Google is building a profile on you. And it's showing you what you want to see. And like, that may sound crazy, but like, think about how many times you were Googling something and it all of a sudden popped up everywhere you were. Like there's, there's a reason for this. This is by design. It is by design to keep you there. And, and another thing too, uh, going back to, to what you guys were saying around, like it's hacking your mind. Our brains have not evolved in 5,000 years. Like our brains have not evolved since the caveman era. We've learned and we've adapted, but the way that our right frontal cortex works, the way that our neurons fire, it's no different than the caveman era. So our brains by default are not meant for all of this information coming at us. Like when you, let's say you, you're, you're in the front of your house, right? And you open the door and you walk outside. And you see the grass and the trees, maybe a car driving by, whatever. That's about as much information at a time our brains are supposed to take in. Whereas, let's say you have Twitter on your phone. You go like this for four to five seconds. You've swipe, consumed swipe, swipe. 20 yeah. to 30 different pieces of information. That's why when you're looking at your phone for so long, you feel burnt out. Like you feel like, eh. The reason why is because your brain is not built to take in that amount of information. So we're, and this goes back to like, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot constantly by coming out with all of this new stuff. And it's making us worse. Like it's making humanity worse. It's making the ability to focus worse. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's definitely not good for society as a whole. Uh, and even, you know, my son's five. I, his, I don't know what's going to happen with his generation, honestly. Like I do my best to keep him off the technology. Uh, I do my best to keep him focused on things. Uh, I do my best to keep him outside, but I, I don't know what's going to happen, honestly. Well, a generation ago, like our parents were saying similar things about television as a device, right? True. It's like, oh, the TV's rotting your brain. My gut reaction is like, oh, it's the same. It's just the devices are different. It's like, well, it's not the same. Right. Because now that you can carry the device around with you, and it used to be like, oh, I want to watch cartoons. It's like, well, you know, cartoons was the big evil that like you know kids would indulge in on television. It's like, okay, they're on like you know after school and on Saturday mornings. Like those are the two times that you can go to the seven channels that you have locally to to do that. Well, that's not the barrier anymore. Right. Right. That is not a barrier at all. So you can have instant gratification 24 hours a day. Like there's more content being uploaded than any human being can like ever consume. It's different now. The fact of having a cell phone and like having YouTube and all these things, that's not the bad thing. The bad thing for our minds is you have YouTube open, scroll, Twitter, scroll, Instagram, scroll, text messages, scroll. Oh, what's going on over here? The constant context switching that's what's bad for our minds. But like looking at the YouTube video, looking at the TV, looking at whatever, that's not necessarily 
awful. The thing that's awful is the constant multitasking, the constant instant gratification, and the constant context switching. That's what's really like deteriorating our minds. Yeah, I, I was watching a YouTube video that was taking me through building an application on top of graph databases. Super hard to follow unless you're really paying attention. And to, you know, even the context switching of, okay, okay I just watched this and I'm going to switch over to my environment and try to do it and then go back to the video and pick up that attention. That was really more than I could do. I realized like going into it, it's like, oh, no, no, I have to watch the whole thing the whole way through and kind of internalize it and then come back to it a couple of days later and then follow along. So you can do deep work on YouTube. You can do deep work, you know, on Twitter by, you know, reading somebody's like kind of thread about something like that's a very subtle thing, you know, and it takes, you know, 30 tweets, you know, 30 threaded tweets to kind of talk about, right? Or, you know, maybe more efficiently deliver, you know, via blog post, but like that's neither here nor there. The thing is neutral, right? The, the tool is neutral, but it's very, very easy for the tool to deliver <laughs> distraction as compared to, you know, deep work. Cause there's a lot, I'm sure it's a lot easier to do distraction content rather than, you know, deep content. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. The only other thing I wanted to ask about on this topic, Michael, is from a nutrition standpoint and the deep work stuff, you've also done some intermittent fasting. And mm -hmm. can you just comment on that and reasons for doing it and how it maybe changed your level of concentration, energy, etc.? Yeah, so the intermittent fasting thing started because I had back surgery a little over two years ago. And my recovery time was six, seven months, give or take, where I really couldn't do anything. And I gained a lot of weight. Um, so I was essentially like, okay, I need to do something about this. Uh, I started going back to the gym. I, I wasn't losing weight the way that I used to. Um, the workouts that I was doing uh, weren't working the way that they used to because um, my body was changing. You know, I, I think my body, I think your body changes when it goes through something catastrophic like a surgery. That plus a combination of getting older, your metabolism's changing, all of that good stuff. So I looked into intermittent fasting because I was like, you know, I think this is a good way to lose a fair amount of water uh, in a quick amount of time and then, you know, still keep hitting the weights and all that good stuff. But what I realized with intermittent fasting was not only does it help from weight loss, but it also helps with energy. So I forget the exact time frame. I, I want to say it's like 10 or 11 hours. But once you reach a certain point of not eating, your body starts to like metabolize more and more energy, right? Like it's, it's almost like it's like eating away at itself, but it not, it not if you don't go past like the 16 to 17 hours, which is really where you're supposed to stay. Um, but you start to get a lot more energy, like just naturally, right? Um, you don't feel as weighted down. So like, for example, in the morning, if you eat a bagel, you're already taking in a massive amount of carbs that are going to weigh you down for the day. So you're not taking in all of that food that would weigh you down for the day. And you feel much lighter. Like it, I, I'm, it's much easier for me to focus in the morning if I don't eat than if I do eat. Uh, and I've been doing that for over a year now. Yeah. I mean, there's some days like, for instance, like on Saturdays 
uh, if if my kid wants pancakes, uh, I'll go out for pancakes, right? And I'll, I'll break it for a day. Uh, when I'm on vacation, like I was just down the shore last weekend, and I, I ate so many donuts at like 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, again, going back to don't listen to me for health tips. <laughs> but I, you know, so, but like other than that, like my day to day, I won't eat in the morning. So like typically what I do is, I stop eating around seven or eight and then I won't eat again the next day uh, until the next day around 11, 30, 12. Yeah. My wife's been doing a little bit of that and I've been experimenting with it as well. So is the goal to get to like that ketosis state where you're metabolizing fat or what is the, what is the mechanism? Yeah. So the, the, that ketosis state is more around not consuming carbs. Um, so it puts your body like essentially into overdrive where the way that the human body works like just naturally is it, it uses carbs for energy. Ketosis is when your body starts using fat for energy. And the way that you do that is by not consuming carbs. So it essentially starts eating away at the fat. However, <laughs> before it starts eating away at the fat, it starts eating away at the muscle for energy. So for example, there are a lot of people like there are a lot of people that are that are very heavy that'll start doing ketosis and what they start to realize is they get like the like the like the flabby arms underneath or like the stomach, right? Because essentially what's happening is it's just eating away at your muscle. So I that's why I don't necessarily agree with ketosis. If you're going to do like any type of keto, I would say maybe for like a week or so. I know people that it works I just don't totally agree with it. And I don't think that it's healthy to not take in a certain amount of fats, carbs, etc. Because you can take in too much protein. Like there is such a thing as your body's taking in too much protein and it can't metabolize it. So there's there's a bunch of different things there with that. Um, but in terms of like intermittent fasting, the biggest thing is number one, the weight loss. Cause like you're not taking in food for like 16 to 18 hours. Um, so your body's essentially in like start a uh, light starvation mode. Uh, so that's number one, number two, it gives you a massive amount of energy. Uh, I don't know the exact science behind it, but it does like your body metabolizes food differently. And because of that, you continue to get like a massive amount of energy when you're not eating. How can I put it? Have you ever just been like kind of out and you, you like you're not eating like maybe you're doing this, you're doing that. It's you know, you're out all morning. It's three, four o'clock and you're like, oh, wow, I haven't eaten all day. But you kind of have that like extra energy that like maybe you didn't have like that little oomph like that. Oh, you know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of like the idea behind it is like your body like starts to feed you energy in different ways. Again, I don't know the exact science behind it. I probably should. Uh, I just don't. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I'll have to do some research into that. John, after we did the editing of this interview, which is a two-part series, that we never talked about the fact that Michael is the host of the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast brought to you by Packet Pushers, helping people understand Kubernetes and that space a lot better. So if you want to get some nerdy advice from Michael and his guests to learn more about that, 
definitely check it out. Oh, man. We'll have to have him back and talk about how he got into the podcasting game. Exactly. We'll we'll compare, you know, what he's done with his podcasting millions compared to what we've done with our podcasting millions. Right. Right. It'll be a really long conversation, I'm sure. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I have to go get my files of how I spent all that cash. I just I just look at the Lamborghinis in my garage Mm -hmm. and I just go, oh, okay. We're up to seven, one a day. <laughs> well, you you had a baby, so you got one just sitting in the garage waiting for her when she's driving age, right? I, I actually did not get the Lamborghini for the baby, but now that you say that, I, you know, we'll have to do an addition to the garage, of yeah. course. We only made it for the, the seven cars plus one for my wife, and now the baby needs one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, no, I, yeah, it's a podcasting paid for all. Yeah, of yeah. It. It's just amazing. <laughs> just amazing yeah exactly we uh we don't do this for money just to be clear (laughs) i i yeah i will say back on topic i love the analogy of that successful approach to going to the gym you know michael talked about how many people go to the gym and just completely flame out of it because they couldn't keep up with the pace i like the focus on get yourself in a routine Small chunks, something that you can keep consistent, and it doesn't have to be a lot. I think he even said 15 minutes a few times a week. It reminds me of the episode with Tom Hollingsworth in episode 127 where he talked about setting achievable goals so that you're not always kicking yourself in the backside about not meeting your goals and then therefore burning out. So you can... Get the consistency, get the success, and then you can raise the bar a little bit if you want to. But if you take that a level further, even this applies to your powers of focus and the consistency and working without distractions. Love that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he specifically called out Atomic Habits, right, as like kind of his inspiration for that, which, you know, again, another another pattern is, you know, people talking about that book. I, I really love that as well, that kind of realistic way to adopting a lifestyle change. It's like incremental and iterative, not, you know, big bang. The um, thing that I'm still, you know, chewing over is the fasting, uh, intermittent fasting. That was, you know, really big in the Bay Area a couple years back. Is like you couldn't really have a conversation without somebody telling you that they were doing intermittent fasting. I don't hear about it as much anymore, but it's really interesting to hear about his take on that as well and contrasting it with uh, keto diets. Um, I think we conflated the two in the episode, but really ketosis is like a metabolic pathway that where you're burning fat for energy as opposed to you know glucose. I think that probably in intermittent fasting, like that's the increased energy metabolic path. Uh, it's probably worth doing research and talking to your doctor before you make, you know, really big, you know, lifestyle changes like that, you know, and get some monitoring in place, you know, get monitored by a professional. Uh, but I think that for people who are trying to be a little bit more healthy, like this, this incremental approach, both to food and to like building like workout habits, like just awesome, just, you know, much more achievable thing to do than, hey, change everything all at once. Yeah, and it almost becomes 
like a science experiment. I made a small change yeah. and I've consistently had this small change in place. What are my observations? Can I can I dial that up in terms of intensity or did I even notice anything or not? Yeah, is it easy to stop? Is it too easy to stop? Is it easy to continue? Um, are there any mental barriers that I'm breaking have to break through to keep on going? When does it become just second nature? And then based on that, how easy is it to like turn up the dial? Yeah. Speaking of turning the dial up, I liked the advice Michael shared. And I think he reiterated something you said in one of our deep work series of episodes in 141 through 147, that we need to temper the advice from these authors who are advocating deep work, building habits, focusing because we're not at that level and we can't expect ourselves to do deep work like an epic academic researcher, for example. Or just an academic researcher who, you know, very specifically has trained his mind for deep work over decades, right? That. Because anybody who hasn't practiced focus is probably going to have a difficult time focusing. You know, that's that's just the whole issue is, you know, focus is like a muscle that you have to you have to build up on and it's all part of that same kind of philosophy of atomic habits can you do it for 10 minutes can you block off 10 minutes and you know not check your phone and not go on social media and you know not do any of those things that break up uh your attention like that all of that stuff is really awesome that kind of incremental way to get towards it and and i think if you listen to cal newport's uh podcast he says that exact same thing, right? Like don't expect to be able to do on day one, 45 minutes straight of like deep work and total focus because unless that's something that you've already been doing, you're just not going to have the ability to do it. There is like a balance there. I think like it's, you, it makes sense to aspire to it, right? To kind of copy the path that other people have walked, if not the exact thing that they're doing at the end of that path, right? You're saying like, hey, I want to get, you know, similar results to what you've gotten. So how do I do that? And then, you know, the author says, well, here's the path that I've walked down. It's like, well, try walking down that path first before you create variations on that path and before you like innovate on that path, right? So, I mean, I think we've said this before. It's like, imitation first then variation and as you gain expertise and then innovation as you become the expert right you don't start out as a beginner and then just immediately start innovating like that that doesn't make any sense well um i think we've gone on and on about this like obviously we enjoyed this conversation but anything else uh pop into your mind before we get out of here nick no sir get ready for part two next week just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at B Journeyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios.